Hello, and welcome to this podcast from Consider This. Please let me know what you think and tell others about us on social media. This podcast was originally broadcast live on Northumberland 89.7 FM. You can hear this show live every Friday at noon. Thank you for downloading this program, and I hope you enjoy it. Hello, I'm Robert Washburn, and welcome to Consider This Northumberland, a current affairs program dedicated to the issues facing our community. We talk to the people on the front lines and those behind the scenes who make a difference in your life in Northumberland County. So I'm asking you, the listener, to take some time out of your busy day to consider this. Reporter Mark Cowan has toiled away on a special enterprise project during the federal election campaign. It is not unusual for journalists to go out and interview people on the street to get their opinions. But with the fourth wave of the pandemic, a brutally hot August, and an election a lot of people did not really want, getting people to talk was not easy. Mark was undaunted. Here he is to tell us about what he found people feel are important issues in Northumberland. Oh, and by the way, he got an exclusive interview with the Elections Canada Chief Returning Officer for Northumberland Peterborough South. You will hear what she had to say as well. I'm so pleased to have with me today reporter Mark Cowan. You may best know him as the affable host of Focus on Business in Northumberland. Mark has been very busy since the beginning of the federal election campaign doing some very important reporting. Welcome to Consider This. Mark, tell us about your project. Well, when this campaign first got launched uh, in mid-August, I had this idea of trying to do something that was pertinent to Northumberland uh, and the people and the concerns here in, in the county. So the idea came up, uh, you and I were talking, uh, and the idea of your voice, your vote, uh, came up and to talk to the people of Northumberland County and to find out what the important issues were for them, and then to get those topics and those questions to the candidates, the local candidates here in Northumberland, Peterborough South, and let them have a chance at responding to the questions directly so that we not only ask people what their their questions are, but then try to get answers for them. That was the initial intent. So tell us how it went during your first attempt to talk to people. Well, I went to a rural setting in the in the county and I went into a, a, a urban center in the county and uh, I was surprised because this was the second week of the election we had already had the visit of the Prime Minister here in Coburg and uh, the beginning of what was going to be a uh, not very nice campaign but at the time didn't realize to what extent this was going to be the case and I tried to talk to my very first day out i tried to talk to uh 35 different people about uh having uh a discussion on finding out my question was going to be if you could have all all the local candidates in one room and have them answer just one question what would that question be and that's what i wanted from each person and i wanted to take that back to the, the candidates and no one wanted to talk um there was it, it was a very surprising effect because normally when it comes to election time, there are some people that would more than happy share their opinion on how they think things should be done. Um, but in this case, for 
over an hour and a half. I was out there trying to get people to communicate, and I finally got one person towards the very end to actually agree to comment on on tape. And I was very, very surprised. The next day, I went into an urban setting, and it was the exact same. In fact, it was worse. Um, In that time period, I, I, I talked to over 70 people, or tried to, and I got zero. Zero people that would, not only did they not want to record anything, but they didn't even want to acknowledge that there was an election going on or to talk to me about it. At which point in the election campaign was this at? Was this in the early days, first week? At what point? This was, the, this was the second week. So when the election was first called on the 15th, um, the, the concept of what I wanted to do was brought forward to the manager of the station. Uh, they were very receptive. We talked about the procedures. Uh, they got me some equipment so I could go out into the field. And, I mean, I was given some um, fairly explicit uh, direction of what I could and could not do given that we're in a pandemic situation. So it did it, it did require some adjustment to normally you would go out there and just take a microphone and put it in somebody's face and ask them a question and they would answer. But in this case, it had to be set up on a static mic stand. You had to bring people over to it. You had to stand at least six feet apart. You had to have a cover over the, the microphone and change it for each person. It, it was a lot more of a process involved. So this was the second week. And by the time I got the approval to go ahead and do this, it was the second week of the election. Keeping in mind there's only a five-week election, um, it, you know, time was of the essence. But key to this, though, is that it wasn't in the first days. I mean, there had been some time passing. Uh, there was some media coverage that had already taken place. As you said, the, there had been a visit by the prime minister. So, I mean, we were the, we were well into the campaign when you were going out. It wasn't like people just didn't know or it was so early that people weren't aware. Um, that's correct. So that, that's really interesting. Um, now, you mentioned a little bit about the, the process that you used um, in the field. It was very different than what traditionally reporters would do, which would be to handhold a mic. And because of the pandemic, you had to have a special setup. Do you think that setup intimidated people and therefore was one of the reasons they weren't talking to you? Or do you think there were other reasons people weren't talking to you? It's, it's funny, you know, I, I was really surprised and, and I tried to, to figure out why it was so different this time around because i've i've done a lot of informal discussion with people both that i know and i don't know and it hasn't been difficult to talk about this kind of stuff in the past and i think there were a bunch of things at play i I think definitely you know not being able to put a microphone right to somebody the natural reaction is for them to respond um to have them actually divert from what they're doing and go to a specific spot stand and be asked a question um, and, and be all kind of on display, I think, was uh, was an issue. I think there was, you know, we were getting to the end of August. People's summer were, was coming to a close. People were getting concerned about school coming up. Uh, what was it going to be like with the uh, cases uh, climbing in the, in the fourth wave? There was a lot of uh, angst about that. And I think overall, there was just a lot of COVID fatigue and a lot of fatigue about everything. And this whole idea of having the election, I definitely got the impression that this was something that was not welcomed by anyone. It didn't matter what political stripe, no one wanted this thing. And no one wanted to talk about it. No one wanted to acknowledge it. And it was just this thing that was festering underneath the surface and I, and I almost felt like there was going to be something that was going to blow at some point. Never did happen those first two days, 
but it's, it certainly wasn't a very comfy, cozy feeling. Okay. So like a good journalist, you did not give up. So what happened next? Well, uh, I went, I, we talked about what we could do and, and how we could take this and, and, and work with it. And it was pretty obvious that we weren't going to have time to get questions that we could take to the candidates and have them respond to them. Um, in fact, it wasn't always easy to try to get the candidates to talk to people at the station about stuff anyway. So it was, the idea was, okay, what is driving this and why is this being like this? And the idea was if we wait until after Labor Day, when people get kids back to school, vacation time is done, uh, people are more traditionally thinking about what's going to be happening in the fall, maybe it'll be easier to get people to talk about it. And that we would go out and talk to people a, a second time closer to the end of the election uh, within the last you know, two weeks, and that's what we decided to do. So you went out when exactly to do your second I, round of interviews? I went out the day after the um, English debate by the consortium. So we had already had the, the TVA debate the week prior for in the French language debate, and then again the French language consortium debate on the 8th, and then on the 9th we had the English debate, and on the 10th I went out to talk to people again to see if people were more engaged at this point. Okay, and where, where were you located to do these interviews? I went to Northumberland Mall, and I was outside uh, between the metro entrance and the westerly entrance to the mall. I was a good 20, 25 feet from anywhere near the, the main entrance, um, but I was set up in an area that was very visible, had high traffic, and I figured with people going to the mall, in some cases just to shop, in other cases to vote, I should have a good sense of whether people were willing to be engaged this time around. And what were the results this time? Did people talk to you? People did talk to me. I mean, I ended up in, I was delayed by rain by for about 25 minutes at one point. But over the course of about an hour and a half, I, I did manage to uh, make eye contact with and, and at least initially start a discussion with uh, 33 different people of which um, almost half a dozen had opinions but didn't want to get recorded, and then I had uh, about half a dozen that agreed to be recorded. So at least there was some interaction at this point. What do you think changed so that people were prepared to talk to you? I think once the debates had happened, I think it became a lot more real, I guess, if you want to use that term. It, it, it just it solidified what was going on. And... And part of it, too, is that over the, the three weeks since I had initially tried to do the interviews, there had been an awful lot more discussion about what was going on in the election campaign itself. Not so much about the topics, but the reaction and behavior of people. And I think it was starting to get people at least paying attention to the, the campaign, even if they didn't want to have the election it was forcing them to acknowledge that there was this was going on in the public eye. All right, so let's hear what people had to say. First, here is Russ from Coburg. I would ask them why the old age security is only $626 a month to live on. That is not enough 
with the minimum wage being uh, 14 or $15 an hour, everything that we buy is costing us more. So that's why I would ask the candidates that question. Why, why are we not getting more OAS? Thanks, Russ. Have any of the parties directly addressed old age security, Mark? Uh, yeah, so if you take a look at the, at the party platforms, there are about 19 issues that have been laid out and compared amongst uh, the five, well, the six political parties, five for us here in Northumberland, Peterborough South. And um, the the seniors did have some stuff there, um, and which included budgeting for things like old age security and other issues for seniors. Uh, the Liberals talked about uh, increasing it by 10% for uh, pensioners that are 75 years and older. In fact, they gave the first $500 this year to people that were going to be 75 years of age or older on June 30th. Um, and they're going to continue to do that going forward. Uh, that's looking at like a $9 billion uh, spend over five years. And it would be $500 annually for each individual senior or $750 for a couple that are over 65. So the conservatives don't necessarily talk about increasing the money directly to the seniors, but rather a $200 a month Canada Seniors Care benefit. And that is per household to any Canadian living with and taking care of a parent over the age of 70. So they're looking at more of deferring the cost of elder care as opposed to making more money available for the seniors themselves. The NDP have talked about uh, a strategy, senior strategy that would help fund dementia strategy and a better plan to prevent elder abuse. Uh, they're talking about a Canada caregiver tax credit that's refundable, but they, didn't, they don't have anything that's costed. The Green Party... Again, they don't have anything that's costed as well, but they talk about a dedicated seniors care transfer that they promised to create should they uh, form the government. And the People's Party have absolutely nothing in their platform on senior uh, care at all. So, Mark, it sounds to me like there's some very targeted spending, but it, in terms of the old age security overall, that payment that those people receive... Nobody's directly addressing that for people 65 years and older in terms of helping them pay for their groceries or helping them with transportation. I mean, just upping that amount, that amount has pretty much been the same for a very, very long time. So there was well, nothing actually, about that. The, the, the Liberals are talking about a $500 annual increase for single seniors, 750 for couples. Um, that, that's over a course of a year. That's not a whole lot. Um, you're probably looking at, uh, you know, uh, nowhere near what the increase needs to be. Russ mentioned that, you know, we got an $8 a month increase uh, and that it was only 600 and, and some odd dollars uh, a month. That is not uh, in this yeah. day and age as far as the cost of food and, and housing yeah. is going to help. That no, much. that's not that's not going to make a difference with inflation in that. Well, thank you. That's that's excellent. Now, another topic raised was health care. Now, here's Quinn from Grafton. How, how are you going to handle the, the future um, like health care crisis? COVID has shown that we're not ready to handle anything. Like it's, it's totally almost collapsed the system and long-term care because we're all going to be in it one day. It needs to be something we're all looking forward to and not scared of. That's a huge thing. So, <laughs> Awesome. Thank you. 
Thanks, Quinn. Well, Mark, we've watched our local health care providers strain under the pressures of the pandemic. What were you able to find out about issues related to health care in the platforms? Well, this is one topic that everybody seems to have at least some opinion on. Um, the Liberals have said that they're looking at a, an increase in the federal health care spending of about $28 billion a year. Um, they've offered $10 billion in new funding for 2021-2022 budget year. Uh, $4 billion of that has already been announced. But they're looking at about $6 billion to be able to be put towards wait lists and reducing the time for wait lists. Another $3.2 billion that would go towards hiring 7,500 doctors and nurses. And the rest would go towards virtual care improvements and rural health care improvements. The Conservatives, they're talking within the first 100 days of forming a government, they would get together with the premiers and strike a new health care agreement that they are uh, pledging to boost the annual growth rate of the Canada health transfer to 6%. Right now, it's tied to the economic growth in any given year with a floor of 3%, but they're saying they're going to tie it to 6% each and every year. Um, they're saying that that would increase the uh, amount available $60 billion over 10 years. The New Democrats, this is the single largest thing that costed in their um, platform, $68 billion in new health care spending over the next five years. So that is going to be a significant difference over the other two political parties that have something with a cost and value. Again, the Green Party talks about some ideas that they would do with some changes brought in under the Canada Health Term, uh, Canada Health Act uh, for long-term care. Specifically, they would want to make it all publicly funded and not for profit. Uh, but there's nothing actually costed or no monies uh, targeted for specific causes. And the People's Party stresses that health care is a provincial jurisdiction, says Ottawa has to stop meddling in the issue, and it would replace the Canada health transfer payments with permanent transfer of tax points to an equivalent value to the provinces and territories. Now, the next person is Nicole from Port Hope, and her concerns were really unique. So everyone have a listen. Um, as a parent of two special needs children, I would probably ask them what they were going to do to ensure that my children had the proper education and got the same support that any other typical child would get. Mark, I don't recall anything being said on the campaign trail related to this. Were you able to find anything? No, and there's nothing in the 19 points that are compared that uh, address anything like this. Um, some would say that education is a uh, provincial issue, but when you're talking about having uh, standards so that it's uh, fair across the country, that's something that the federal government gets involved with in any topic. So th there hasn't been anything addressed to uh, special needs and what can be done, and it's becoming a bigger issue, uh, I think, right across the country. But it's not the only topic that is not getting any traction or any oxygen at all during this campaign. Electoral reform last time around was a huge issue, and it hasn't come up at all. Now, I haven't been aware of it being mentioned, other than the odd person saying, yeah, too bad there wasn't electoral reform, electoral reform last time. But when you take a look at local issues that are really matter to the people here in Northumberland, opioids, homelessness, these things just don't seem to have any kind of traction at all at the federal level, either with the, the local candidates or with the party leaders. 
Well, it was interesting. When I did my interviews with them, I did ask them about opioids, and all of them have concerns, and they all uh, talk about making sure that there are dollars to be allotted to this. It was only two months ago that people in BC were lamenting the fact of all the deaths due to opioids. Absolutely. You know, you're absolutely right. Um, the other thing, too, is there are housing strategies in all the platforms, but none of them speak directly about homelessness. And I think that that's really a, a key issue. You know, we talk about uh, not being able to find affordable housing or rental housing. Um, and yes, there are some things going on within the county that are being done and they do get uh, federal support. But in terms of homelessness, we don't see anything there. So that's that's really interesting. Now, not everyone is feeling negative about politics, though. So here's Dennis from Hastings, and he listen to his perspective. I just had somebody the other day in my office, and he was complaining about everything was wrong. And I said, Frank, if you had Trudeau sitting right now, right in that chair, what do you want him to do for you? Well, I don't know. I said, the stock market's high as ever. Interest rates are low. Everybody's got more money in their savings account than in history, so what more, what, what more do you want? Well, I, I don't know. He says, I never thought of that. So that's kind of the answer. Now, Mark, we've witnessed some pretty strong negative emotions during this election, more than at any other time in our political history. What do you make of Dennis? You know, he was a breath of fresh air. Um, I, I actually had people, when I first went out, the very first time, the second week of the election, I had people that just didn't want to be part of it, and they just, you know, stayed away. And some people glowered at me, but they, you know, it was it, there was nothing overt. The second time going out, I actually had a couple of people that were overtly um, antagonistic towards the fact of people to wanting to talk about the election, and, and and it was a little bit uncomfortable. And to have someone like Dennis, who is more much more of a What's really wrong? What what more do we need? And it, it was kind of nice to have that perspective being put forward. It, it it made it for at least thinking that hey, not everybody is on this bandwagon of of beating everybody else up. Yes, and I, I know you had an incident when you were outside the mall where somebody got very hostile and and very angry, and you had to deal with that. So I mean that that's just one of many examples, and we've seen of course across the country with all the protests around the liberal campaign. It's it's really a different dynamic, and I know there's been a lot of coverage on this, but it's interesting to see how it's even manifested itself locally in in several ways. Now, you, sorry, go ahead. What were you going to say? I was just saying, I've never seen someone throw rocks at not only a, another person on a campaign trail, but the prime minister of the country. It just it mind, boggles mind. Now, next you spoke to Mary from Coburg. Now, she gives a pretty good summary of key issues, and some of them we've heard before from others. I would want to discuss with them about more than one topic. Uh, environment, health care, uh, homeless. Uh, the Canadian people. Mark, I, I think Mary's comments reinforce some of the local issues that are on people's minds. She repeats some of the comments from earlier interviews. What do you think? I think she really sort of encapsulates what a lot of people are feeling. There really isn't just one specific issue. There are multiple issues. 
But what I really got from, from Mary when I was talking to her, and this didn't necessarily come through in the interview, but as she talked about it, I could tell that she was feeling somewhat concerned that there just wasn't enough discussion being given to any of the topics, much less one or two topics. She just felt that there wasn't enough discussion about the issues themselves. Instead, there was being a lot more discussion about other things extraneous to the actual election. Do you think that because it's such a short time frame that this campaign has gone on, it's what, what was it, five or six weeks, that I, there really sorry. hasn't been enough time to really get down into the weeds about some of these local issues and actually having the candidates addressing them directly? Yeah, I, I, I do, and but I'm not sure how much easier it would have been if it had been extended another three weeks because there are restrictions and there are issues with uh, the, the pandemic itself. Having an election during a pandemic is not an ideal situation by any stretch. Now, this last interview was very, very powerful. You spoke to Isolina from Port Hope, and she talked about our collective future. Are we prioritizing and considering the welfare of this planet and the future for the generations coming forward? I feel it's very important to put the most vulnerable in our society um, first and at least not last because um, if we care for those who are suffering and who are vulnerable, whether they be seniors or, or disabled people or um, uh, the poor and the working, um, you know, those who don't have a lot of income, we are um, actually looking after the welfare of our whole society because um, when we don't care about the most vulnerable, we're actually burdening everyone because it doesn't contribute to the economy. It doesn't contribute to a healthy community. Um, it leaves people out. It leaves people struggling. And um, it's just uh, a vicious cycle for many. That was pretty poignant. Thoughts, Mark? The one thing that you can't tell because we're on radio is that Isolina was the youngest person that I interviewed um, that had opinions. And I actually probably had somebody, while I didn't ask them specifically their age, from each of the categories of the 20s, the 30s, the 40s, the 50s, and the senior. And I, she's definitely in the, the 20th category, but she was also the one that was the most thoughtful and the one that was most uh, concerned about what the future looked like. And maybe rightly so, because she's going to be around a whole lot longer than people like you and I. Incredible, eh, Mark? All of this was great reporting that you've done, but you also got an exclusive interview with the returning officer for Northumberland Peterborough South, Anne McDonald. Can you tell us about that interview? Yes. Um, so I approached Anne because there are a lot of issues with this election being in a pandemic that are so unique that I thought it would be nice to be able to have the people within the riding, not only to learn what the rules are that they may not know, but also some of the things that they can expect on election day and some of the things that were going to be of importance. People had questions and there are myths out there about what's allowed and what's not. And there are all kinds of issues. And she was very gracious with her time and she answered the questions and she made it very, very clear that there is not going to be any kind of issue that she won't talk about. 
Well, here's Anne McDonald, the returning officer for Northumberland Peterborough South, talking about the advanced polls. Well, I'll begin by saying that because this was a um, vote that was under special circumstances, because it was a minority government, uh, and many of the listeners may or may not know that when there is a minority government, uh, legislative law dictates that there has to be another vote called within 18 to 24 months of that uh, election. So from the 2019 election to now, it's within that two-year period. It is a law that the uh, politicians all know about it, and you remember probably back in the spring and maybe last fall, there was a few threats of non-confidence uh, from the uh, opposition parties, and that usually triggers an election. But if none of those trigger an election, then the, the prime minister must call the election. So that is indeed why we are going. To, we did come to the polls at this time. It was a very compressed schedule, which makes it, you know, a little bit more difficult for we and the returning officer to collect all the data that we need, um, because normally we have time to, you know, get through the office setup and then get into getting the hiring done, um, you know, the basic issues of opening up an office. But this time we pretty much had to hit the ground running. Uh, fortunately, we were able to um, get going. My team is tremendous. We've all worked together now. This is our third election we've been together now. So we all know how each other works. So that came out very well. But this advanced poll was busier than any of us have ever seen it. Uh, we were a little bit overwhelmed uh, at the polls and in the returning office because we also uh, helped out with the overflow of uh, people that were coming specifically to the Northumberland Mall, because that's where the returning office is. But um, we really were quite surprised at the numbers, and bless all the seniors that came out on, on Friday. It was very difficult for them, because we the Elections Canada COVID protocols did reduce the number of people at the polls. So the lineup, now normally um, advanced polls does have... Um, um, you know, the delays, because there's a lot of work that we have to do. But this time there was even more delays, um, just because we were short-staffed, I'll say. We didn't have poll clerks. Usually when you go in to vote, there are two people sitting at a desk that one takes the ballot, one strikes the name. Well, this time we only had uh, the one uh, who is called the deputy returning officer, and they really pretty much had to do a lot of the work. Uh, we did help out by sending one of our other staff members in there to help them when it was really, really busy. But I can tell you from the time we opened, 9 until approximately 3, 3.30, those folks in, the, in those polling stations worked right through that. They didn't end up having breaks or lunch because the lineups were so significant. So I do have to thank everybody who was involved at the polls uh, during the advanced polls um, because it was, it, was a tough, it was a tough four days. Mark, you've heard a lot about some of the misinformation about voting day, and you spoke to her. There are a couple of things out there floating around. Um, people concerned about getting COVID from the pencils that are being used. Um, people concerned that they're only going to be asked their vaccination status uh, at, election, at polling stations. These are all things that are not the case. Is that correct? Uh, this is not the case. Uh, we have enough pencils. Um we're, we're managing that supply well, and everybody gets their own pencil. Well, people also have the option of using their own pen 
so we do give them the courtesy and say, would you like to use your own pen? That's not a problem because um, I carry my own pen and always use mine. So I would definitely opt to use mine. But we do have lots of pencils. And again, we do sterilize all of the areas that they're around the ballot box, the tables, um, whatever we can. We have the shields uh, in front of our staff on the table so that, you know, again, transmission. We do offer masks. If I will say that one protocol that we are doing, if somebody comes that cannot wear a mask for medical reasons, um, we, we have decided that we're not going to say no because that's denying somebody their right to vote. They can definitely vote, but there is a process, Mark, and that is that the information officer would ask the person to just wait for a moment, and then after the electors who are in the room exit, um, then we allow that person to go in to vote on their own, and when they exit, then again, we do a full uh, sterilization around the uh, poll that that person did. So nobody is turned away. I have a firm belief that it's everybody's right to, to vote. So we developed a process so that we'd be able to, and yes, we have had people come in and say they can't wear one for medical reasons. Uh, we don't judge. We just make sure that everybody's safe and that the poll officials understand that this is what's going to happen. And then all the folks that are in lineup, we ask them to please be patient um, because this, these things do occur. That was great. Mark, this was some really great reporting. Any final comments or observations before we finish? Uh, I just want to ask everyone to make sure that they get out and vote on Monday if they haven't already voted. And that uh, let's try to be considered, or everyone, it's going to be a long process, possibly. And let's all bring our patience and our happy faces when we go. Thanks so much for all your hard work. Thanks, Rob. That was Mark Cowan talking about his special enterprise project, Your Voice, Your Vote. I want to thank my guests this week for talking to me. And I want to thank all the listeners for tuning in today. Please join me again next week when we will talk to the people on the front lines and those behind the scenes who make a difference in your life and Northumberland County. So please tune in. If you would like to listen or share this or any podcast, please check out my website at consider-this.ca. There you will find past podcasts, news, and other information about life and politics in Northumberland County. Or you can go to the radio station's website at northumberland897.ca. I'm Robert Washburn. Thanks for taking time out of your day to listen in, and I hope over the week you will continue to consider this. Thank you for listening to this podcast from Consider This. If you have any comments or would like to suggest a story, please contact me at considerthisnorthumberland at gmail.com or you can message me on Facebook at Consider This. If you enjoyed this podcast or are looking for more news and information about Northumberland County, please check out my website at consider-this.ca. That's consider-this.ca. And don't forget to share. And again, thank you for listening and stay tuned for more from Consider This.